Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. I'm here with my good friend, Darren. Uh, Darren's a longtime real estate investor, a great guy overall, and uh, he's going to be sharing with us uh, some of his best deal um, stories that he has going on. So, um, Darren, what does our listeners you know, need to know about you and um, you know, to kind of get a background for, for this, the, your best deal they're going to share with us today? Yeah, I think the the easiest way is just kind of, you know, a little bit about uh, how I got into real estate. And uh, by day, I'm a real, or a, an insurance broker. And uh, that's basically how I got into to real estate. I um, had a client that called up, needed uh, insurance for a rental property he was buying, and I did that. And uh, he called back the next week and needed another one. And uh, he kept calling and I kept going out and taking pictures of, you know, these properties with trees growing out of the, the fireplace and just uh, trying to, you know, put the Polaroid camera in just the right angle so that the underwriter wouldn't get uh, too concerned about the condition of the property. And uh, over time, got to know a little bit about what he was doing and, and how the how it was working and how he was making money with this. And I was going like, wow, you're making money with these. I need to figure this out. And, uh, so along the way I made mention of, I need to get into this. And he goes, you want to get in? I'll sell you this one. And I was like, this one, this is not exactly what I had in mind. And, uh, that's how I get started. (laughs) That's awesome, Darren. Um, it's, uh, I think sometimes you just got to take the opportunities that are given to you, you know, in life. Right. I mean, that's kind of the way it works and you don't really know a thousand percent of everything until you jump in, but you kind of have to just take that leap of faith, which it sounds like that's how you, you kind of got in. You just took a leap, saw the people were doing it and jumped in the water. I, I wanted to be in, but I thought I'd be in at a, a different entry point, uh, you know, not there. And, and, um, I mean, I'm grateful today that I did, uh, get into that one. And it was scary. I mean, I was scared to death that the you know tenants were going to be calling my house at all hours of the night. And, and, uh, cause it was, it was rough. I mean, this was a non-standard duplex. It was the, uh, the house that was pretty well run down with the garage that had been converted into a unit. And I mean, there was nothing standard about it, you know? And, um, so, but we got in and, and, uh, you know, it, the funny thing is, is kind of that birds of a feather flock together kind of thing. Once you are in real estate, you start talking to people about real estate. And the next thing you know, there's other people that want to get into real estate. And, and literally in seven months, I went from having this property. I was essentially scared to death of just because it was such an unknown. Uh, I was in such a rough condition and it was making money for the property manager, but I was getting the, the crumbs of the the rent that wasn't getting collected or that was getting collected, you know, and, and uh, it was working, uh, but I had a, another client that wanted to get into real estate. He was a roofing contractor, and, and he thought, well, shoot, I'm, I'm a contractor. I can fix this thing up and, and run with it. And so literally in, in just a matter of seven months, um, the, the seller who was carrying the note for me agreed to carry a second for the buyer. The buyer got financing. and uh, I got, I mean, I made $20,000 and at the time that's a lot of money. Uh, I mean, it was, um, I have to 
go back and look exactly the year, but I want to say it was like 98. So it was at least 20 years ago. And, uh, it, it, you know, I, I was, I think I was barely making that at the time when, you know, when I was on commissions and insurance. So, so for me, it was like, wow, you know, in seven months I was making almost the equivalent of a, that was probably about a half a year, uh, you know, income, but, but it definitely opened my eyes with just very little effort. And, uh, so that's how I got started. Yeah. So, so tell me more about, you know, this, it sounds like one of the things that kind of helped you to, to have success in this deal was actually pulling together part of your team. You know, how did you, how did you end up, you know, coalescing those people? Cause it looks like you got offered a deal, probably pretty surprising. Uh, okay. Yeah. Great. Well now you're like, how do I actually, what do I do with this thing? Right. Is that kind of like how it went down? Well, I would be wrong to characterize that I had a team. Um, cause I didn't even know you needed a team. I had a property manager in place, but I didn't even know what they did. Other than that, I looked at them as kind of a, somebody that would, uh, take the calls of the, the tenant and, um, you know, do inspections and that kind of stuff. And, and I guess keep it all legal. Cause it would, again, I, I did not know what I was doing and was concerned and wanted to make certain that, that I didn't uh, create a, a problem for myself. Um, so I, I did have a property manager. Um, but honestly the, 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 the team, I mean, I had the lender the lender was the seller. So he, he offered to carry the paper. So there was no, you know, relationship I had to have with a, um, uh, a lender like I do now. Uh, and as far as uh, maintenance, I had a friend that had more tools and brains and, and, uh, he was, you know, the, the willing accomplice on, on some repairs and stuff. So it was, it was very hodgepodge, nothing like what I do today. So is it just kind of like blind faith that kind of leads you through that initial deal or, or do you see things that you did some things right or in actually doing that just intuitively to start that deal? Well, I'll tell you here, here was my essential, my goal on this thing was I knew that people that were buying real estate were, they had money that was coming in as passively. It was, you know, it wasn't dependent on them going to work. It wasn't dependent on them doing another deal. And uh, at the time I had a, a car that, you know, was less than desirable and I needed a new car. That's really what I was looking for, you know, a couple extra hundred bucks a month where I could go make a car payment. That was literally, that was my motivation. And I was like, God, if I had three of these things at a hundred bucks a month, I could go buy a new car. Woo-hoo. You know, that was, that was literally where my mind was at the time. And, um, Anyway, and, and I'd seen it. I mean, my, my, my client that sold me the property, he was talking about how, yeah, you know, you do this. And he was talking about the spread between what your payment is and what the rent is and, and uh, the cash flow. And he was accumulating properties. And I was going like, this can't be that, that difficult. And, um, you know, but, but really until I got into it, I don't know that I had probably heard all of it, you know, all of the the magic of real estate, but I was really jumping off a cliff. And, uh, but it was more based on, and I think the reason why I was so willing to do it was I knew people were having success doing it. Okay. So it wasn't just complete blind, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but it was knowing that people were having success and believing that I could figure it out. You know, that was, I think that was probably the, the, uh, the motivation for that first property. Do you, when you're looking at that, um, you know, that first property and you, you initially buy it, um, you, you end up closing on that deal. And then what does that look like? And, you know, what does phase two look like in the part of that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think the, the, the important thing about this whole property is that it was basically the one that got me going. I think that's really the, that's the importance in, in all of this. But, but yeah, the, the closing was totally unconventional. Literally, I had like a, a, a third of a sheet of paper was basically just a note from a stationery store that the seller said, okay, you'll agree to pay this much. Uh, the title company was collecting the, the payment. We were both splitting the, the processing fee. I think it was $3 a piece we had to pay for the monthly um, processing fee. But he was carrying the note. That was, the, that was really the, the easy thing. So th th there was no inspection. There was no qualifying for financing. The, the key is, and, and this is what I think the other, the other um, uh, when I look back at this really was an eye-opener to me, was just how in real estate, unless you're buying a residence off the MLS, okay, you, you have buyers and sellers and where they meet is, it, you can be as creative as you want to, okay? And in this case specifically, what I heard my, my client say was that he needed $10,000 to go do another deal, okay? And the price he offered me, I remember going home and I had a yellow tablet and I was trying to, you know, run all these numbers. I could not make the numbers work. I, I just couldn't make them work. But I remembered was he needed $10,000. Okay. And I had this untapped line of credit that I thought, well, shoot, I've got $10,000 there. If I gave him that $10,000 and I had to pay that monthly payment on that, how much rent could I, you know, what would the rent support? How much debt would it support? And so I backed into these numbers and I, I came to him and I offered him that number and he goes, okay, let's do it. So immediately what I learned was that you can, you can make the deal work for you. It's not always about what somebody's asking, you know, does it, that makes sense. I mean, there, there's, it was kind of like, let's make a deal or the wild, wild west. It was, it was not like just going to the store and, you know, or, you know, going and buying something because that's the price. It was literally, how can you make this deal work? And that was, that really got me excited. Yeah. Let's talk some more about that. Cause uh, how do you make the deal work? Um, I think as like that first initial piece, I think you just touched on, which is actually getting in and really listening into what people are really wanting and needing. Right. Right. For him, for him that was at $10,000, but it was probably something even like a little bit beyond that, which was, I really want to get on to my next deal. Right. Yeah, he, he was ready to get on. And I don't even remember what the property was. It seems to me it was some sort of a commercial property, uh, but he needed $10,000 cash. Yeah. And when, when I realized that all I needed to do was solve his problem of needing $10,000 cash, the sales price was irrelevant, you know, because he, yeah. he didn't have a loan on it. And uh, so if I could, you know, I probably could have gotten even a better deal had I, you know, really, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I would have offered less. But I still would have given him the ten thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because he could have been needing that ten thousand dollars and could have made ten exit on the next deal. So he just said, "Ah, oh, maybe I'll I'll give you a crazy deal on this one just because I need the ten thousand." Well, but you never know. And right? the other th the other thing is, it never hurts to ask. <clears throat> you know, if if you start high, you can't work your way low. If you yeah. start low, you you can work the number up. I think a lot of uh, people are worried about a fit <clears throat> with the other person though when they start too low and. At, what, how, what do you do to help mitigate that, that fear of offending the other person to, so that way you can start at kind of like an aggressive position? Well, I think, you know, I guess what I've, what I've learned and I'm, I'm trying to employ more now is justifying the number. Okay. So I think what, what's kind of interesting now is, and we're, we're 
trying to work more towards multifamily uh, exclusively now, but, but there's a lot of uh, interest in the marketplace. There's a lot of buyers chasing deals and there's a lot of um, numbers that don't make sense. And it's really easy to get in, in a deal that doesn't make sense. But I think that, you know, coming back to what, what I do is, is first I run the numbers and find out what will work for me and then get into a conversation with something that, something that makes sense, you know, and if there's any interest, you know, start at that point. I don't, I'm not there to insult somebody. I mean, if the market's a market, um, but if you're wanting a two cap, you know, on a perspective, uh, you know, what could be, mm, that's not going to work. Um, you know, if, if you, if you want to be realistic and, and whatever the cap rate is for the, the market and you've got your real numbers, your actual numbers, we can work with that. Um, but, you know, I, I guess my, my point is, is that just because somebody's asking doesn't mean that's where they're going to end up. Right. And you have to, and I've also recognized this is that the broker that's listing the property, if it is listed, their job is to get the seller as much money as they can. The broker's job is to get the, the seller the most money that they can. Right. Right. I thought, I thought their job was to sell the property as quick as they can so they can get paid on the commission. Well, <clears throat> I would, I would, I would say that based on, I, I think their job is to get paid, right? Yeah. But, but when they, when they appeal to the seller, let me list your property, Scott, I can make you, I know we can get this thing sold for, we can make you a lot of money, right? So their first emotional appeal is to the seller to get the property listed because if they don't have it listed, they don't have a property to sell, right? Yeah. So I, I would say that that's it. And then as they come back, getting it sold is that motivation, but the primary thing they've got to appeal to the seller so they can get the property listed first. Yeah, no, I and, think you're right. And I think that's where you're, you're, you're right when you're, I think uh, you're talking about saying like, well, you need a way to be able to justify the numbers to be able to say you're going to give a low number. So you're not insulting, but also, you know, maybe in turn with this is like, it's giving the, uh, the broker, whoever's the middle part of that deal is the ammunition to go back to the seller and say, Hey, well, this is why you need to be willing to accept a lower number. We didn't realize this when we got into it. Is that what kind of your negotiation thinking is like? Absolutely. And I think also you have to, you have to prove that you can close that you, I mean, you know, what I've found uh, that's, that's worked well is if you're coming with, you know, a, 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 not only an offer, but you've got a lender that says, yeah, we'll do this. This is not, this is not a problem. Like a pre-approval letter? Is that yep. what you're thinking? Yep. Yeah. Something, something that basically supports that, yeah, this will work and, and we can, we can lend on this. Um, so, so that, you know, now, now you're making it, uh, you know, if the seller wants to reject it, that's, that's up to them still, but you're making it much more difficult for them. Uh, because I think, especially as the, as the properties get larger and stuff, um, while there's a lot of people that want to buy a property, uh, it takes time. And, you know, if you let go of one, you may be sitting with a property for a while, especially if it, if it makes sense, if the, if the, you know, if the offer is good and it does make sense for the market, um, you need to, you need to be realistic if you really want to sell it. In, in your case that you had with before with this guy, you could tell that right away that he was a really motivated seller, right? Cause he said, I need $10,000 cash. I need this. Is there, other um, ways that had been successful for you and other deals that you've done that worked out well that you were able to discover people's level of motivation? Well, I think that that is definitely the key right there. And my wife and I, we, we, um, it's been a couple of years now, but I remember we were looking at a property and it was, you know, I just could not make the numbers work. And, uh, 
was frustrating because even my broker was like, man, they've got other offers. They got other offers. I'd like, well, who's making these numbers work? You know, I mean, I, we kept tiptoeing into it. I said, this just doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't make sense, you know? And it was, it was like they, they, um, the seller's broker was, was trying to make it sound like there was, you know, sharks in the water. And if we didn't get this, you know, we were going to lose. And, and I was like, well, I, I can't make it work. So we ended up walking away. And I, what, what I did recognize in that moment was that it's important to have a motivated seller if you're looking for a deal. You know, why are they selling and, or why would, why would they make you a, a, a good, you know, a good deal? And uh, if you, if you can find that motivation, um, then I think you're, you're on to something. But and and like I said, it, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I was going to say, I, I think you're, you're right on that the, you know, the guy that the, the first property I bought is that he had motivation. He wanted another property. He needed $10,000 cash. Yeah. And, and so in term, in determining like what, how motivated people are besides just asking them, is there other information that you try to, to pull from? I mean, obviously here really inflated sales prices, people aren't willing to take, you know, anything besides like, you know, a hundred percent of market value or more like that tells you that motivated asking them would be another way to find out. Is there anything else that you look at to find out how motivated people might be? Well, I, I think what I've learned and, and others I've talked with is, you know, basically do your homework. The more information you can find out, I mean, if they're coming up hard on a uh, refinance or a rate adjustment or you know, depending on if there's a lot of deferred maintenance or, you know, if there's some, if there's some opportunities in there that are problems for them. I mean, that's going to, you know, potential motivation. I think it's up to you to, to look and find that and then present it, um, you know, as, as part of your offer that you can essentially take this, these issues off their hands if they're if they're interested in in uh, your offer is that usually accomplished by having you know you you meeting with a broker or going out to lunch with them or or just calling them on the phone what's your what kind of ways have you found that's good to gather that kind of info well i think you know in in all of your due diligence um you know get all of the information and comb through that and and i would think start with your broker you know, uh, but, but run your own, your own numbers and make sure that you're starting from a, a point that makes sense. Um, I think, you know, from a, and I want to clarify this too, I think, and, and I want to make sure that everybody understands. I mean, I, I've, we bought a, a 12 unit here recently and that's kind of where I'm based in a lot of my commercial experience because everything up to that point has been more single families. Um, but in, but even in the single family, we've, we bought in some distressed where like from the bank kind of thing. And that's clearly, you know, the relationship was part of that, uh, while the, while the property was in, uh, ready to be in or, uh, auctioned off and, uh, you know, being, making certain everybody knew that we were interested in that kind of thing. So that, but, but again, I think it goes back to communication, uh, gathering your information, um, you know, in, in this commercial property we bought. Uh, getting to know what were the reasons why the the seller was interested in selling so that that you you had that you know sense when you're making your offer but then in your due diligence when you're doing your physical you know property inspection and you know that's your opportunity to find all the things that that are going to cost that weren't necessarily part of your your offer that you can then go back and then work 
you know, against or, or to lower that number because you're going to have cost. And if you do, if you don't recognize that upfront, you will uh, potentially have problems as you go. I mean, um, I've learned, you know, on, on this one that we bought here, there were some, some things we should have probably looked at a little closer and, and possibly could have, um, you know, requested a lower, lower number and, and work through it. But, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's concrete enough for you, but I think it is just, you know, dig and try and find that, that reason that somebody's uh, wanting to sell or, or to find more reasons to encourage them to sell and accept your offer. Oh, that's great, Darren. I mean, I think that's right. You just got to keep asking questions, you know, and keep trying to ask for more information to the point where they yeah, tell you they're going to not give you any more info. <laughs> you know, well, and, right? and in that though, too, you also are able to justify and, and, you know, hopefully help you find even, wow, there's even more opportunity in this thing than, you know, I know like if the rents are way below market, if there are um, uh, utilities that, that uh, the seller's paying for or, you know, other things that you, where you can cut the expenses and you just kind of, you know, find out how good of a deal it is and uh, just really dig into it. That's great, Darren. Um, you know, sometimes we like to look at the end of each one of these uh, you know, episodes and kind of look as a lesson learned, you know, from, um, you know, what we have and, and from your story and what you shared today. And one of the things that really rings true for me and, and listen to your story is about um, just the necessity of, you know, taking that, that first action uh, and there and then finding the right deal for it. And, and finding the right deal can maybe really be predicated on the fact of just saying, you know, I got somebody here that's really motivated, you know, and it's like almost like a no brainer because they're so motivated and I can, I can get into it and, and then learn um, that way and not trying to rush it and to trying to get into squeeze out a deal that doesn't make sense. Um, so that was really, really neat to, to hear from today. Do you have a, you know, from your story here today, do you, do you think you have a takeaway for the listeners about, you know, what, uh, you know, what's the key lesson that you think that your story reflects? Well, I think you, you got to get in the game. You can't, you can't win the game if you're not playing the game. And, uh, you know, there's multiple benefits to real estate and this is, you know, like I was mentioning about the, the hundred bucks or the couple hundred bucks for a car paint was really my motivation in the beginning. I didn't even understand about the appreciation and the principal pay down, you know, building equity uh, or, you know, my one focus was this little, little bit of cash flow that I thought was going to happen that in that property really did not happen. Uh, but I did, I did experience, um, well, in seven months, couldn't have much principal pay down, but it was more of just that appreciation based on finding, finding another seller. So, so I think that the, the first thing I, I would just say is that you got to get in and, the, the reason why, well, the reason why I've been able to buy other properties is I got in on the first deal, right? And, and it, was a, it was a win and it was not expected. I mean, I didn't expect to sell the property. I didn't, I didn't even know that I could, you know, I, I, it was, I call it my accidental flip. I mean, it was not really a planned, it was not a planned flip. Uh, but that first property was really what propelled and set me up to, uh, you know, buy additional properties and, uh, you know, now we, we have, you know, a significant amount of money, uh, monthly that's, that's positive cash flow, you know, that we would not have, we would not have if we didn't get into real estate. That's great, Darren. I, um, I think that that's a, a phenomenal, you know, lesson about, 
you know, sometimes you can get into something and it turns out to be good, but it's not the good that you thought it was going to be, you know? Um, they, they talk about a lot of times that what it's nece- necessary to take action is to set a goal and have a really clear intention with the action you're taking, which was for you. It sounds like that was the, uh, having the money for the car, right? And now I need X amount. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted a new car, man. That's all I really, yeah. that's all I really wanted. So yeah. And which is awesome. Those are great motivators when they're that clear. It's like, I need X and I know exactly what that looks like. And this is really important to me. And then you'll go and do stuff and make that happen. Um, if you listen to Anthony Robin, any of these guys, and from my own personal experience and just from the story you shared, um, like you, you didn't create the, you didn't get the car in the way you thought you were going to, which was the cash flow, right? But it turned out to be this accidental flip that you made enough money to help you on your journey to your car, right? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny things. I never did buy the car. I mean, I, not 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 from that. I mean, that when I when we ended up having the uh, the win on that thing, I ended up going and buying a different property because I was like, wow, this is cool. You can make money. Yeah, and, and so, then making money selling properties became way cooler than having the car. Right. Yeah. And, and actually just uh, full disclosure, I, I, I'm, we are buy and hold investors. I, the only property I've ever sold is that first one. Okay. Everything else we still have. And we've bought uh, a number of properties that at the time were basically, you know, they, they could cover the, uh, the mortgage taxes and insurance. So not repairs, no additional cash flow. but over time they've, they've all, you know, the rents have gone up. The equity's gone, right? You know, the principal's gone down. The equity's gone up, and the the appreciation's gone up. And uh, the, the the property that I put all the the proceeds in from the the first property, the the flip, um, we've had it paid off before, and we've borrowed against it, you know, and and bought another property with cash because of, you know. So it's it's like this thing that just like the, the power of it is kind of like that snowball, you know. If you if you get in, you really have the opportunity to uh, create some, you know, generational wealth if you want to, you know, keep, keep going with it. And, and uh, you know, if your family or kids are into it. Um, but I, that, that's kind of what motivates me now is more of uh, retirement, you know, some sort of a, an absolute solid retirement, but then also something to, to pass on. That's great, Darren. Um, thanks for sharing that. And um, for, for anybody that wants to get in contact with you, Darren, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, give you two things. My email, uh, Darren, uh, just Darren at jdarrengross.com. That's probably the, the uh, easiest. Uh, or you can call me. Uh, cell phone's probably the best. That's 503-504-7619. And then uh, lastly, I'd just say, hey, uh, check out our podcast, uh, CREPN Radio. Uh, Scott's been a guest on there before. We've talked a little bit about how to protect yourself and uh, keep yourself safe. And uh, yeah, do that. That's awesome, Darren. What, what kind of things um, do you feel are like your top three things that you do that help the people the most? With insurance yeah, with, or? Yeah, with insurance or, or real estate or, you know, what kinds of things should people be contacting you about if they connected with you here today in the podcast? And oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I, well, I, first of all, I, I love talking about real estate. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to protect pretend like I'm some expert. I'm thinking this is a field that there's always more to learn. And even guys I know that have been in it for years and years and years, uh, we can all kind of nod our heads when we're, when we're talking. And uh, so I think just by, by uh, talking with others that are in the game, uh, you can't help but but learn. And I I think that's what, what I found most just about even podcast uh, is the power of, of, 
you know, like we're doing here, you're, you're talking, we're, you know, we're, we're exchanging ideas, sharing, sharing what, you know, experiences and just the power in that. So if anybody, you know, wants to reach out, love to talk to you about what you're, what you're doing, be happy to share with you what I've done. Um, as far as insurance goes, you know, I, I do focus primarily on working with real estate investors and, uh, you know, if I can help you, I'd love to do that. That's all for this best deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the real estate nerds podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one. So keep at it. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.